Warning, ProTri News is a podcast with different opinions, knowledge and possibly fake news about triathlon racing. This is not for the faint of heart. If you get offended or hurt by what is said, please stop listening and go listen to some uplifting meditation music or just go work out, then try again. Hello, welcome back to another episode of ProTri News. We are excited to be back with you all. I apologize, we've all been... Uh, dealing with a little bit of travel and jet lag and et cetera, et cetera. Um, so this podcast is coming out a week after we probably wanted it to, because Mark and I were too busy uh, with the after party in Kona and then traveling home. So we're here, then. We're here. We're here. And, you know, we're we've all here. The dream team, all five of us. Okay, so let's celebrate that. It's hard. All right. To yeah, that's good. Small, and we're here. So. Yeah, excited for a big, big show. Chelsea, are you still on a military base? No, Mark, I'm not. I woke up there, but I'm back in San Francisco. I've had a wild 24 hours. I don't know how you're in the military. It's hard life there. I was. You probably need to clarify that. You just said you've just you know Sorry. woke up. You woke up on a military base after a wild 24 hours. That okay, can, that can be so, misinterpreted. I was traveling this weekend with my team. Okay. I coached at University of San Francisco in Missouri, rural Missouri, we missed a flight, got stuck in Kansas City, and because of a football game, the only available hotel was a 30-minute drive into the middle of nowhere on a military base, which we arrived at at 10.30 p.m., had to get background checks for nine people, including three non-U.S. citizens. (laughs) It was hectic. I've been on two American military bases as a military person, and it's hard enough then, let alone... Oh, mate. It was an experience. So I woke up on a military base in Kansas. It's noon, and I'm back in San Francisco. Just for you guys. Oof, busy. How'd your team do? Yeah, you know, guys, it's a mixed bag. (laughs) So not good, not bad. Not good, not bad. But I was at a triathlon. There was also a Continental Cup going on in addition to the NCAA race. So Cool. Holy saturated. Wow. Pat, who's next? Pat? Pat, you next? Sure. Is your wife is your wife about to have a baby or what? My wife is about to have a baby. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen during the show, uh, but it's certainly, it is going to happen this week. Uh, so big week on, big week on tap for Pat because we got a baby coming um, and I already have a five-year-old that's got no shortage of energy. So I don't care. This, this week? Are we, are, are we talking this week? This week, this very week, Oof. yes, yeah. What's this race you did this weekend? This cyclocross race? Oh, mate, I had a cyclocross race uh, there. It just happened to be that triathlon superstar photographer Kenny Withrow was also there, getting the pictures, uh, getting the content, blasting it out, so I could be uh, sharing everyone how uh, maybe not in shape I am. But I didn't get last place, so I'm super happy. And you don't look quite the same as like Pidcock and Isabet do on a cyclocross bike. You look like maybe a kilo or two heavier on the bike. It looks more like a power display, more of a Van der Poel kind of build. It's it, definitely and and thrown in with a bit of Hulk smash in there. And I think we've, we've definitely we've got a vibe going on. So yeah, I love it. I love it. That's good. Talbot. I mean, I really don't care to talk about me. I want to talk about Kona, so let's just get the ball rolling. You look tan, Talbot. Oh, I am tan. That was too much time in Hawaii. Hawaiian bronze. 
Let's go then. Where do we start? Yeah. Well, let's. Start oh, everyone knows the results, right? Everyone yeah, knows. Let's start with if the you, women if you're first. listening now, you know, you know who won. You know, Chelsea Cesaro won. You know, Lucy Charles hung on for second with Anna Howe breathing down her throat. Um, amazing result. I mean, I feel for Lucy another second. Incredible win by Chelsea Cesaro. Completely dominated on that run. Really solid run. A uh, bit of a crumble for Daniela. She never really felt like she got going after a bad swim. Was a long way back. Uh, and then uh, I th- I th- there was a lot of penalties, right? There was a lot of bike penalties that sort of played with that race. And I, did, I think affected the outcome. Any key takeaways from people? Pat? I, I think the biggest thing was both had we done our pre-show, listened to the pre-show. Uh, you guys did an awesome job. But I think had we said in the pre-show, they're going to hand out this many penalties for drafting in the women, and they're going to hand out this many penalties for the men. Uh, I think our jaws would have been on the floor, and we would have said, no way, no how. Um, ultimately, I think a couple things here. W- one, the drafting was enforced, which is amazing. Uh, two, I thought it made for great TV. I want to probably put that adjacent to the fact that because the women had their own day on Thursday, I think that's also why the broadcast was so good and the women's race seemed um, quite spectacular, even though Chelsea ended up, Chelsea Sodaro ended up running away with it uh, pretty early on. So I think my, my interpretation of it is Talbot, you'd know better. I hope that the two day format is here to stay specifically for the broadcast. Ultimately, I think the locals on Kona are going to push back and we're going to see the total race load back down to the high 2000s and double day format again. Yeah, to, to, to cover on the double day, like just before we left the island, the local Hawaiian Times or whatever the newspaper's called, the, the front page article was like mayor of Kona says uh, two day format still needs to be reviewed and talked about like the, how unhappy the locals were. So it'll be. I think it'll be out of Iron Man's hands, and it'll be it'll be the local government. And Talbot probably knows a bit more. Uh, one interesting thing is Mayor Ross said that it is not official that it is two days, which is interesting because Iron Man has already announced, announced that it finished. is official, and they're already giving out slots to the races that it is official. So the mayor did say in the article that it is not official, and they still need to review it. Before Pat, just before you go, the mayor is called Mayor Roth, which is yeah. interesting as well. So Roth, yeah, Iron Man. Um, I want to clarify the two days, and I want to hopefully get some context on the actual numbers. So the reason why it was moved to two days was because there was the backlog of entries from, what was it, Talbot Mount Tremblant of 2019. And basically what it was was Iron Man was honoring their commitment to races that had been earned by participants in 1920 and 21. So that's ultimately what moved it to the two days. Uh, what now, obviously the race was able to handle more participants, which means more money for Ironman across the two day format. Do we believe that that was something I mean, we have to believe that Ironman wants to make money, but will they benefit from having, I mean, do we know how many more slots there actually were, how many more people raced on the two days versus the normal one? I think it was 2,700 uh, as a normal Kona. I could be a little bit off on these numbers. 2,700 and then a total of 5,000 athletes raced. So, so is, there, is, is, is there a balance if they make it 3,500 or 4,000 or something like that? No, they, they can't fit anyone else on the pier. 
No, no, Sorry, no, no, no wait, across, you need to reduce it down to. Across the two days, though, I'm saying they can have four thousand and go two thousand on Thursday and two thousand on Saturday. I, I mean, why? I think why the problem is the road. I think the problem, yeah, I think the problem is the road closures. It's like the road closures would be the same for the locals, to, you know, irrespective of how many you have on each day. Uh, it's just an extra money thing. Town felt busier, didn't it? Accommodation prices were utterly extortionate. Like, uh, and and they've definitely bumped the prices up around town. You know, menus had all been rewritten for that week. Everything is ridiculous. You have people I... charging a hundred dollars to sit overlooking the finish line at a cafe. Like, yeah. I could imagine though. That as much as the paper says that, you are going to have a lot of the locals that are going to say, what are you talking about? We made a fortune. We, we, we made a fortune, all the restaurants. So that yeah. was it just, that was the local hearsay right away. We will try to, I guess, uh, poke our heads in and keep following the newspapers uh, and try to keep everyone updated. Maybe we could even around February reach out to Mayor Roth and get a, get a statement from his um, office. But I yeah, think so that... back to the, back to the women's race, can we? Because we we've kind yeah, of dropped sorry. dropped them. No, it's all right. So uh, the big takeaways for me was the real split swim. I didn't expect to see Daniela so far back. I didn't expect to see Sky Maunch so far up. Uh, Fenella Language was brilliant for a while. She took the race. She led the race for a long time with Lucy on the front. I don't think Lucy ever fired. She didn't ride particularly well for Lucy's standards. Um, uh, there were people that always going to going to crack. Laura Phillip took a time penalty. I don't know if you realize, but Philip Seep obviously had Laura Phillip and Florian Anger, both his two hopes take time penalties. But he was redeemed by Sebi Kinley doing brilliantly. I felt, and it's quite controversial, I think a lot of women underperformed. I think Chelsea Sodaro overperformed or performed to her own expectations, but overperformed by what we know of her. And otherwise, I don't think there were many. Like, I think there was Chelsea that was brilliant. I thought there was a couple of other like outsiders. I think... Um, I think at least Norden was brilliant, even with a five-minute drafting penalty. But like Anne, I don't think performed particularly well. Laura Phillip underperformed. Lucy was what you'd expect for someone when injured. Daniela underperformed. It was an odd race to watch, but really won by kind of a great success story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would agree. Literally agree no interest in women's race. That... You just want to talk about the Norwegians? Yeah. No, no, no. I, I, I'm, I'm reviewing Lucy's bike times. She did bike a 4:38 in 2018, and she biked 4:43. So, because I was trying to see if she had bike and biked faster and, than that. But... You know, technology's come on there. She should be more aero. The tires are faster. Drivetrains are faster. Yeah. Men's so, tires are much faster. So, I, I think, I just think she hasn't fully gained her fitness back, right? I, maybe she. It could be that, and then also too. Maybe she is riding more within herself. I do think the most impressive thing that I saw, though, Anne Hug had probably not the race that she wanted, although it was incredible. I don't know if anyone saw Lucy's story or someone uploaded a story. That gap came down to about eight seconds, and Lucy ended up holding her off. The yeah. same thing she did to Sarah Corrali in 2019. That guy's and- got guts, right? I mean, if you would have seen the Vegas betting line, I bet it went like there's no way, 100% chance Anna's going to pass her and beat her. But then it came all the way back down. So and that's, that's, just... that's two world champs in the year that's happened to Anne because yeah. she basically got close to Cat within 30 seconds, having taken eight minutes in St. George. And then she's done the same here to Lucy and not never quite made that pass. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It takes a lot, though, to dig yourself in real deep to try and run into second. You have to think if you're trying to run into first, it's maybe maybe you have a little extra gear. I don't know. I mean, but but if you look at the swim gaps, a seven, nearly 
it was exactly seven minutes. I mean, it's crazy to see. We'll jump to the men's race in a second, but you got Skipper, Sanders, all them saying that it's impossible to win if you're more than four minutes down. It's impossible to win. And to see that she's seven minutes down and came all the way back and hug Laura Phillip, the Daniela Reef group, seven minutes is a gnarly gap. So, yeah. 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 Something that people have been DMing us asking us about is the Hoka being on. I can answer that. Chelsea's kit. Yeah, no, Chelsea, in... Chelsea literally just, she she left her sponsorship with Hoka, I believe, to run in ASIC shoes, or maybe the time was just up. Uh, but when she made the decision between then and Kona, they just didn't have time to get her sponsored suits out to her, remade uh, in time, so she just cracked on and ran in the suit she had. There's, and she's not sponsored by ASIC. She's paying for ASIC's trainers. They were her favourite. I'm sure I'm sure Chelsea Starr has a sp- shoe sponsor right now, but uh, on the race day, she didn't, so she just wore the ASIC's one she had. Perfect. Thanks for taking that, Mark. Easy. Um, and lots of penalties out there. I think one thing noted, uh, and, we'll, and we'll chat about it more in the men's race as well, unfortunately for Philip Seep, three of his, what, four athletes raced, and three of them got penalties, yeah. which was That's not, slightly... not Philip's fault, but it's just crazy uh... that it, it ended up like that. I, like it's not Philip's fault, but when their race plans and you speak to them afterwards, their race, like certainly Lisa Norden's race plan was to sit in and do as little work as possible, you know, through the first two thirds of the bike. It does open you up to more risk. Like you, and, you're not, you're not, she's, she's not, not going used up to, to that. Yeah, she's not going out to draft, but she's going out not to get to the front, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, my question was, is, is five minutes too harsh of a penalty? For, uh, do we think that that's that's fair, or is there a world where like it should be one minute and then a five minute? Like I just here's here, and the reason why I ask is I thought the TV coverage when there were when we're gonna get to the men's race, but when there were five men stacked into the penalty box, I was actually thrilled about that part of the coverage. So could this potentially be a way to just make the racing and the coverage a little bit more interesting. I agree. But the problem is like, I, we've cried for more penalties, right? We've, we've berated races when they haven't given penalties. And yet here comes a race when they gave a load of penalties. And part of me is like, Oh, some of those penalties were shit. Like some of them just didn't make sense. You know, Christian Hogan, how got one for overtaking a large group and not moving to the right quick enough. Sam Laidlow rides for two hours on the middle line and doesn't get a penalty. Like there are, so I agree, like, the five minutes is a lot. But they were all basically by one referee as well. So No, no, that's both. not true. Uh, and the there's, an article. there's an article that came out that said that that wasn't true. Uh, I mean, speak to the pros. They, yeah. they all describe the same person. Yeah. Anyway, go on. Uh, I, I, I disagree on the time of the penalty. Maybe in a 70.3, I think you can argue it. But in an Ironman race, we've seen athletes, plenty of athletes come all the way back from penalties um i.e even cat matthews had one of the most insane runs ever and was hunting down uh daniela reef in tulsa if you remember that race i mean iron man race fourth and fifth in this race had penalties had penalties third fourth and fifth third fourth and fifth or no and and in lisa lisa norton and uh laura phillip so Uh, let's do them go on yeah fourth fifth and seventh sarah corrali as well she had a good race. She's one that I thought had a good race. Really good run in that heat for Sarah Crowley. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
All right, men's race. We also had more and more penalties. Uh, Magnus Ditlev, Florian Anger, Clement Mignon, Leon Chevalier, Bradley Weiss, et cetera, et cetera, to name a few. Um, we probably have to start with the swim. I don't think we ever thought that there were going to be 20 guys coming no, out of the together. No. Amazing, right? And so and no, I, one really, no one really let it out. But that's the problem when you've got that many good swimmers. The, it gets easier and easier the further back you get. Yeah. We, we, we said this on our podcast before the race. Uh, Mark and I were chatting about this. There was no aggressors in this race. You didn't have Alistair Brownlee and Jan Perdino, the guys with tons of experience that know that they need to take it out insanely fast. I just recently watched Daniel Backengard's uh, race recap video. He said he was not swimming good going into the race, but he said when they started, he was like, what are we doing? Why are we swimming so slow? Sam Laidlow is not as good as he was in the swim, right? Yeah, now. yeah, no. And then Sam Laidlow even commented that he was swimming for a little bit. He had broke away. He turned around. He felt someone touch his feet, and he turned around and did backstroke. And two positions behind was Blumenfeld's gold cap, and he was like, "Oh shit!" So, I mean, I just don't think that it was taken out fast. I actually don't even think next year we'll see it. If Jan Perdido's in this race. There's no way in hell that the Norwegians make the front back. Not that there's no way they don't. He's going to do everything they can to make sure they don't make the front back. And I think, some other, I think the likes of Sam won't as well. You know, they're going to have to get rid of them if they can. Yeah. Because um, yeah. it didn't, I, I mean, I like the way Florian Anger dipped past Sam Laidlow to take the fastest swim of the day while Sam was playing with his suit. Um, otherwise, I think Sam could probably have tried to claim fastest swimmer and fastest bike of the day, which is sort of mad, like really incredible. And I really liked Max Newman's effort in T1. I thought that set him up for a great race, a really aggressive T1, put him at the front of the race, and then he's able to make his own decisions rather than being forced to chase. And his decision was clearly, I'm just going to sit on whoever's at the front and refuse to do any work whatsoever, which he's totally allowed to do, right? Like, fair play. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that bike was insane. Magnus came out about 1.30 down, knew he needed to hit the front quick, and he did. Uh, that back group, I think that a lot of them maybe had ruined their race in the opening 20K. Uh, I know Lionel was trying to go with him, and he said that he wasn't going to push over 350. Uh, and he said that he was pushing like 430 to hold with uh, Skipper and uh, Cam Warp, and he said, screw this, this is done. This is dumb. So he let them go, uh, which, I mean, Lionel ended up having a bad race anyways. But those guys were pushing around 400 at the first <laughs> little bit yeah they they might be they might be or Lionel might not quite be as efficient as he thinks he is he might not be that aero I don't know like that's an awful I mean if you're sat a few wheels deep if he's pushing 451 that's Ghana power at the world hour record yeah yeah definitely so I just know those guys push really hard uh maybe solid in the back half of the race but I mean other than that it looks like the the penalties started getting handed out uh, the group was pretty insane. We saw Braden Curry drop out, which was unfortunate for him. Um, he was ill, though. So he'd been ill for the week leading into the race, as we suggested. We thought he might might drop out, and he did. Um, fair play for starting. So let's, let's go on to the big issues. How, how legit is is Sam Laidler's bike split? No one wants to answer, huh? Oh, don't be a bunch of pussies. Since when have we not said what we think? Uh, I, I just – I look at it like this. He – Sam is a, was, I would say, outside of Gustav, one of the most magnificent performances of the day. 
everyone counted him off running, uh, bonking on the run due to his bike. Uh, he posted his power numbers. They speak for themselves. He had an, a completely even ride. Everyone rode with him uh, all the way out. Or actually, Gustav and them kind of gained on him because he kind of rode away. Then they caught back up with him. And then coming back, uh, no, actually not even even going out too, there was some questionable uh, riding to the left of, uh, as Mark mentioned earlier, that uh, who, what athlete did you say should have got a penalty or got a penalty? I mean, Christian Hagenhardt did get a penalty for briefly yeah, riding to the left for too long after overtaking the group. And yeah. So yeah. what was his, what was his average power? Target? I think it was 311, I believe. 311. I tell you what, if he can average 44.26 K an hour for 311 Watts on a hilly windy course, his CDA is about one or 0.1. I mean, that's ridiculous. So yeah. I, there's got to be a little bit of, there's got to be some motorbikes or something there, surely. I mean, I, the guy is super slippery and really wild, but that's crazy fast. I was on race radio and they were going bonkers on race radio saying, get the effing motos out of the way. And uh, motos were coming back and or everyone's chatting back and forth, but we are not on the live race radio. We are content radio. And I guess it was a live radio but I don't think it was the motos fault. We usually blame the motos uh, motos. If we want to see race coverage, the motos are going to have to be in the race, but I do think it is up to the athlete to ride to the right of the road. Oh, I, so we, we were arguing before the show on this, right? That's going against everything we've been saying, which is you can't blame the athlete. The coverage has to be held responsible. If there's a bike in front of an athlete on a lane, like there's a bit of both here. Pat, you're, yeah, muted, you're, mate. Yeah, you're muted. Perfect. So I wasn't I wasn't speaking over you guys, but here was my assessment of the day. Obviously, with the Big Island on Kona, you're given a wide stretch of road, and so they are able to. The camera bikes are actually able to stagger pretty far to the left, and the roads are wide. So I was happy to see that. Now I wasn't on the course, and I don't understand uh, what the wind was doing that day. But surely, if you're riding down a road and the wind is coming from your left and the motorbike is staggered from your left, you will have a benefit. Now, was did the stars align with Sam Laidlow and the bike, the wind was coming from the left, the last 60K, and he actually got to put his head down and received, was just a benefactor of the way that the wind was positioned on the day? Maybe. Uh that's one scenario. I think obviously the other thing is, is he rode, it was clear that the whole field rode the first 100 K lightning fast based on the conditions, right? So it was optimal. When he put in the dig in the final 60 K, it was very clear that Gustav and Christian's group were looking at each other. So I think the large gap was therefore more a factor of the tactics and the faster bike split was a factor of the conditions on the day. So I think it's probably too soon to tell um, what will, if that record will ever be touched. But I think in the first 100K, our text thread, it was very clear that the, that the race was fast. Yeah, and like technology, as Pat knows, but working in the industry, has come on an awful lot in three years. Look at what's just happened on the same day to the World Hour record. Now, Ghana's quite exceptional. But he, he's riding 2K further than the world hour record was just 10, you know, 10 years ago, eight years ago. 
So the technology is also that this gap in the time between the races allows for these crazy performances as well, I think. But Sam Laidler is a brilliant rider, so, you know. Can, can, can we, though, look at the second fastest bike split of the day, Cam Worf, who we've seen him pull some and at some it's pretty large events, uh, 409 to a 404. I mean, that is astronomical difference. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's an awful lot of watts. It's, yeah. it's a lot of watts. Uh, Cam, Cam said that it was one of his best rides ever in Kona after the race as well. So uh, Let's not be too neggy on Sam, though. We I'm, don't not, really... I'm, not, I'm not being too neggy. I, 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 I know, I know. I know I started this. Like The, the, the kid is 23, 24. Incredible ride. Uh, but let's, let's wait to see if he can repeat it, eh? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just know that he's been pretty vocal that uh, in the How They Train podcast that Sam Long and Lionel Sanders got moto drafts pulled all the way up and how motos run the races and stuff. But then to ride to the left is a bit much. But uh, very, I, very fair. One but thing most... I want to say real quick about Sam's bike split with the equipment that Sam has. Do you see next year more wheel companies developing a wheel similar to what had developed for this race i think the best thing that could happen is your mate jimmy gets rid of the stupid rule that discs aren't allowed like it's a stupid rule what they should do is put a rule in about the front wheel so the depth of the front wheel is what really matters so you should go to a 60 millimeter or 65 millimeter maximum front wheel if you really bothered about it and just allow discs uh, will companies do that? Maybe, but they can't sell that wheel. But what it was brilliant marketing to it, wasn't it? Like they might sell a few of them, but everyone was looking at head wheels through this race. So fair play. I mean, there. If you think about how hard it is to already sell triathlon bikes in the bike industry, Kyle, think about making and designing a wheel that is only allowed in two races in the entire world: Cozumel and Ironman Hawaii Kona. So. I don't see a lot of companies other than a marketing standpoint getting behind it. In my there, might I mean, be, there might be enough age group athletes that will buy that just for that race. Yeah, they will. And I don't think it's probably that once you've, once you've, I mean, it's probably not that hard. You just have to make the rim right. And it's lacing. It's a bit of a problem. Mm-hmm. So you might, and you might get athletes have one made especially for them. Some of the pros as well. You know, if Gustav's running around in shoes with a seven inch stack on them, people might have, a, you know, wheels made specifically for this as well. Let's speaking, move on to the run then. Speaking of Gustav, uh, I know we gave uh, Magnus Ditlev a lot of criticism for his rough performance being the greatest in history, but I would more than <laughs> be happy to say that Gustav's performance was, in my opinion, the greatest performance in the history of triathlon at, on this course, or I guess I, I think the greatest performance ever in triathlon, in my opinion, outside I- of short course. I agree with you, but if you say that, what you then have to probably agree is that uh, physiologically, Sam Laidlow's performance is the best we've ever seen. He rode pretty much 170k on his own on the front of the race. He swam at the front of the group, didn't sit in the group. So physically, in terms of energy output, he he's he beat them. So you're saying that physiologically, Sam Laidlow's the best athlete's ever been? No. It's a big ask. No, not with not with motor pacing. Okay, there we go. <laughs> I'm gonna say this was the greatest Ironman performance we've ever seen. However, the greatest 70.3, the greatest triathlon I believe we've ever witnessed was 70.3 Worlds in South Africa. When yeah, Africa Gomez, ran. Brownlee, and Ferdinand. Yeah, that was that impressive. was unreal. But go ahead, like, 
Go on, Pat. Sorry. I'm sorry. I had to step out into the driveway because Stanley was bleeding and I had to tend to that. Honestly, every podcast, your kid piles in and destroys himself. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, there's just, Gwen was runs in front of the window and I got her facial expression that something bad was out there. And there's just a pool of blood from his foot in the, in the, uh, and we get him all bandaged up and he goes, okay, I'm going to keep exercising now. (laughs) Brilliant. Um, Brilliant. Can we talk? Have we spoken about the shoes in my absence? I actually just mentioned them and we, we're going to get into that. Okay. Tell me when we're ready. We're, we're ready right now. What's your, what's your opinion? Okay. So my take on it is, is obviously this was um, based on the stack height. This was an opportune timing for Gustav Eden and on. I believe what needs to happen here. And we all read the triathlete magazine article explaining the good article, by the way, Yeah, from Tim Henning. Really good. good. Yep. Great job, Tim. My question is where I'm left with is what is the point of diminishing return with the height of the P-back foam? And I think that's ultimately, I think I didn't think that the, the, the height, whether we're going to call it 50 or 55 mils 55, that, Gustav, yeah. that Gustav had. Uh, I guess I didn't think that 55 and you've got essentially like Gene Simmons height uh, shoes was going to be that beneficial. I think he would have won the race in alpha flies as well. Uh, but I think going forward, there needs to be some sort of assessment around. Uh, there does need to be a cap on the height. And Mark, I think while you're going to the nth, with the with the with the actual the the levers on your feet, um, that is where this is headed. And so I I think that there needs to be some sort of performance cap, and whether they abide by oh, yeah. uh, IAAF rules or yeah. their own. Um, so I think World Triathlon will move to IAAF rules. I think they'll be a little bit embarrassed by this. They'll be worried about the prospects of Tokyo, sorry Paris, coming around, and they don't have rules on shoes when everyone else does. So I think the triathlete article actually might inspire World Triathlon to pop in place the rule, which will then transfer across to Ironman. I will just challenge you a little bit. Like, if they aren't a significant advantage, why are you wearing a one-off handmade pair of shoes? Psychological benefit. You feel like you're wearing something that nobody else on the field of play has access to. So whether they're they're 2% or 0.002% better... You you put them on, you lace them up, and you feel like Superman because you're getting to use something that nobody else has. So then why is the only rule surrounding shoes that the IAF have put in? Clearly, uh, it's based around stack height. They've realized the main determining factor is the stack height gives you the space to fit in the technology. And the more stack height you're allowed, the more of the whatever technology you're developing, whether it's carbon, whether it's foam. The only thing that World Athletics has banned is stack height. They've limited it to 40 mil. Before Pat, before you go, Gustav's shoes were higher than the legal limit of IAF than the total height of Patrick Langer's shoes in 2018 when he set the course record. So Gustav Thieden's shoes were Patrick Langer's shoes on top of a set of alpha flies. It's crazy. I, I completely agree, Mark. I, I Again, I go back to my point of where is the point of diminishing return? And if they determine that the height is 40 mils, is it true that 
a shoe with a stack height of 70 mils will be significantly better. I, that's where my curiosity is. I don't have a, I don't have a feeling or a definition of what the rules should be right now. I'm oh, just, yeah, yeah. oh, Chelsea was told. Chelsea was told. Chelsea was told. I don't know what we're arguing <laughs> about this. It seems like we should be tipping our hat to Gustav for staying upright the entire time. <laughs> they they look they are they are very wobbly and platform like. But yeah, I'm I'm just gonna wear rollerblades next year. There's no shoe. There's no running short rules at all. What? To 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 pony on what Mark's saying, uh, if. We have a little bit of intel, I guess, with the Norwegians. And if anyone knows science, uh, it's these guys. And uh, from what I had heard leading into the race, all of their running was toe-in-toe. And then the second Gustav started wearing these shoes, a gap opened right away. That's what I heard. Let's see how long Christian stays with Asics before he moves to one. I'm, um, I, I'm going to throw it out there as a prediction. I bet we see Christian move to on. And how pissed off have you got to be if you're Matt Hansen, who's suffered running in on shoes forever? Gustav turns up, day one, custom shoe made. Matt Hansen, crack on, lad. Use the shoes you've been using the whole time. Gutted, mate. <laughs> I will say, I will say, there is one little tidbit of information that I had received about these uh, shoes, and it's that the Nike foam that they've been using for all of their shoes, all of their super shoes over the last three years, the patent is now gone. So now all shoes are allowed to use this foam that Nike has been using for their super shoes. And this is the same foam that on used in their shoes. And I'm sure ASICs will have their version coming out next year. So the arms race for the shoes is just going to skyrocket. So if it's the exact same foam, we're saying the only difference is that they put 15 mil more of it in. Right, just freaking just jam it in there. As much foam as you can get. Uh, sorry, mate, go on. The shoe wars are just getting started based on Again. what I, I know as well. We're so, back talking yeah. about shoes. Yeah, this is, um, I think, a, a very exciting time for development in shoes. It's clearly the Wild West as far as what the rules are today. Uh, I think that we're making up for, for years of, Hardly any development in the shoe space. We're just getting started here. I think we should just go back to Zola Bud days. So if, if, if you're listening to the show, just make sure you tell your wife that you need to budget at least six to $900 next year for shoes. All right, next topic. <laughs> <laughs> All right, or wife, tell your husband. Last thing, the broadcast was incredible. Iron Man implemented exactly what i was hoping would be implemented which is formula one tv has implemented this driver cam so you can select any driver you want at any time during a formula one race and see their exact camera iron man did their version of this and they had a french commentary with their own camera angles they had the leaders and their own camera all day so you could just watch the leader all day if you wanted to you didn't even have to watch the live broadcast you also had miranda carfrey and Matt Lieto's broadcast, which is their boots on the ground, and you didn't have to listen to Didi or uh, Michael Lovato in the booth. Drink. And you didn't have to hear about the Morton moves. You didn't have to hear about <laughs> any of the things that you didn't want to hear about during this new IronManNow.com stream. So my, my stepfather watched the race in French commentary 
because uh, he preferred it to the English commentary, maybe because he doesn't speak French. Um, and I thought this sort of reminded me of like, it made me realise actually how far behind the PTO at, in reality are, how lucky they are that COVID was here to allow them this grace period to develop when the, this event wasn't going on. The spectators was better. The atmosphere was way way better and the coverage was way way better which is what the PTO are the best at I the PTO is still doing great things for the sport but it's just with cash right now because development in broadcast Ironman just did it again development in crowds Ironman's leading that like if he wants a pure athlete experience for the age grouper challenge is probably doing that like it, it's just cash right now for the PTO and I'm grateful for it but Ironman kicked it this weekend if they right. sorted some legalities of the racing out that'd be perfect Mark, you've kind of inserted a hot take right there that I'm going to just, because you talked about it, I was saving that for the end, but I'd like sorry, to- Sorry, sorry. No, 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 it's okay. Um, it's very clear that Kona is King Kong uh, and we had all kind of forgot about that, but watching from home, uh, it's very, very clear that they're smashing it. And I think this really fits with what I said two episodes ago that- PTO needs to look for these events that are com- extremely participant driven and attached to them because they need that energy and the even the expo they they just need that fire at an event. Jesus, I completely agree. Those those viewer numbers, Tab, uh, Kyle, take us through those viewer numbers quickly. I I I, I added them up on there. Oh, I saw on, someone. I saw someone uh, made a comment about viewer. Uh, numbers uh this these viewer numbers do not include the iron man now website which kyle just mentioned that you can click around on this is facebook watch youtube which is the iron man and the iron man now youtube but the men pulled in 2.5 million on total views for race day and the woman pulled in 1 million views on total race day which is an insane amount i think those numbers will be closer if the women wasn't on a Thursday and the men went on a Saturday. I think yeah, that gap would probably be closer, right? Mm-hmm. Agree, agree. And then a majority bulk of those numbers came through on the Facebook Watch website, which Facebook's algorithms are so skewed that it could have easily been nothing was going on on Facebook on that day because all the YouTube numbers are pretty equal. But the uh, you the Facebook Watch, the woman's end of the race was 300,000 and the men's was like 1.1 million. Uh, so that could have been just an algorithm bump. There was something not going on on Facebook that day. So Facebook was just bumping it. So that could be the gap of in between them. But other, if you take away those views of that one is probably, if you throw that one out, I would say the views were very, very equal. So which is amazing, right? Great. Yes. Great sport to be part of. I want to just, when I look at the views, Talbot, I don't, it's, it's hard for me. I, I can't trust the Facebook views, but from the YouTube, what I typically look at is just how many are streaming live in a given moment. And to give you some context. So on Saturday for the men's race, it was typically 27, even upwards of 40,000 live at a, at a given time. The following morning, the UCI had their first ever gravel world championships. I hopped on for that to watch the last 20K of the men's race, which they were also streaming live on YouTube. That barely exceeded 11 or 12,000. And there were much, I would call them much bigger personalities in the men's world championship gravel race than there were in the uh, Hawaii Ironman. So 
I mean, Van der Poel was racing for those. Van der Poel, Sagan. I mean, there's 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 huge personalities racing. So I think uh, it's a very successful day. It's a one-off day for triathlon, but a very successful week of of broadcast. And it, I, it's rare for me to say, but I think we we have to acknowledge Ironman and the tremendous job that they did here. Yeah. And, and just make the race a little bit fairer, sort your rules out, and you've you've won this this whole competition hands down easy peasy. And and just so you know, ASO did do the broadcasting, which ASO only does broadcasting for the two championship races. ASO is also the same broadcasting company that does the Tour de France. So outside of ASO, when you watch, if you watch Ironman Waco today, that is another broadcasting company out of New York, um, and they're the ones that do. That's why. There was a big difference and uh, also um, an insane difference in budget. I heard it was like 15x what their normal Ironman now what races are. So, yeah, but of course, it is the world championship. Because that's an investment for pros, right? That's an investment yeah. in pro racing. Good for yes. Yeah. What if we got other races? Thing. Come on. Yeah. One last thing about Kona. I do want to say thank you to all of our listeners. Um, we have received amazing oh support God, while yeah. we've been there this week. Um, I mean, it just puts us on fire for next year uh next year i'll commit right now that we will have a pro try news house we will have a pro try news pre-show and we will have a pro try news post show we will also be doing pat's does does pat know he's paying for this yeah pat's paying for it all on his uh, american express okay we're gonna have we're gonna have everything we'll be at everything we'll be at the underwear run we'll be at the beer mile um we'll see how much mark can get in shape before next year i i, I didn't go not because my drinking i went i didn't go because my running i'm not sure i got a mile in me go on this pat. is when Tal- this is when talbot has to chime in and say that he's still uh on pat and gwen's american express card so <laughs> we can we can get this paid for via pat's credit card we're just not going to know about it until the monthly statement i was i was thinking this is a good time to just go ahead and announce that on is sponsoring our show for the next two years because all we're going to do is talk about their shoes so thanks to on for the two hundred thousand dollar sponsorship and speaking of people that that showed the love can i just really thank the two uh pro try news listeners that came up to me in the street uh stopped me and cat and then proceeded to ask for a selfie with me uh that's that's absolute comedy gold i you are not a triathlon fan if that is your decision making process you're a legend because it was really funny but you're an idiot <laughs> how mad how mad was cat oh was she's she even well she's bless her she's gonna full neck brace scars everywhere i think she was glad not to have another selfie yeah but still all oh, good. right come on let's oh, get wow. racing there's some there's been some other racing let's 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 branch out all right this is chelsea's turn Chelsea's turn. We got Cagliari. Um, I think she may have stepped away for a second, but I'm back. Jack- oh, you guys are getting really boring. Asking oh, she's Jalousy. right. She's so right. Come on, talk to us about this 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 racing of in swimming costumes without time travel hours. What was going on? Um. Okay. So, gosh, it feels like insignificant and a long time ago because same day as Kona. I got to admit to you guys, I was actually far more interested in watching Kona which I've never done before until this year. Yes, Charles. It was pretty fun to have on. It wasn't like I sat down and watched the whole thing. You were excited that Gustav was chasing all day long, and when you saw him pulling the lead, you started crying. That's all you got to admit. Yeah, I mean, there were no tears, but it was fun to watch. So go on, um, what were you meant to be doing? What? What were you meant to be doing that day? Oh, nothing. I was 
uh, babysitting Jordan's oh, I thought you, I thought you meant the Cal- Calgary. Calgary. Like, Calgary. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, that was in the middle of the night, so we had time to watch Gustav. I mean, the big thing about this is was this a this is a Johnny Brownlee comeback moment slightly. Right. Okay. So Cagliari, it it was an impressive race by Johnny Brownlee. He did a little breakaway with Japanese athlete Jumpe, which let him get off the bike ahead of Alex Yi. But we actually saw a weak point in Alex Yi for the first time ever. He stopped middle of the race, um, addressed a cramp in his quad seemingly, but pressed on and still won. And it was a very cool emotional victory for him. Back in 2017, I believe, on that course when it was a World Cup, I was there and I actually watched the crash happen. It was pretty scarring, but he, it was a big group. I don't know really what know what happened, but he's a very small guy now. And in 2017, he was an even smaller guy and his body literally flew in the air and body slammed a concrete block and he kind oh. of just ricocheted off of it and had some pretty nasty injuries that I think had a really long recovery time. So I think for him to go back to that same place where he ended up spending a long time after that accident and win the World Series there looks pretty emotional. Um, But yes, Pat? Can we acknowledge that uh, the bike was really hard for Alex too? He was late to catch on uh, in the race. And I think you know, imagine that we saw two great bike portions of the race and there was only one monstrous U-turn in this whole thing. And the rest was a four kilometer course that was super wide wind exposed and had some really fast turning. So we had, I think one of the best WTCS bike courses that I've seen in a very long time mixed with a, like a technical ocean swim. And then, a, I mean, in this case, it was just a flat out 10 K run, but I think, I don't think it's any, I don't think it's any surprise that we saw a bit great racing off the back of a, of one of the best courses I've seen in years. So by best courses, Pat means there were very few cones and zero U-turns. Yeah, I completely agree with Pat. Right. It was a nice course. You summed um, that up much more succinctly than I did. So thank you, Chelsea. Yes. I think the only thing that would have made it perfect was a hill or something, but it was well done and you could kind of see the flow. They had some pretty good over-the-top footage. Um, but yeah, Alex E was a bit back out of the swim and rode very hard to catch the group. It was a 10-lap bike, I believe. Um, so yeah, maybe contributed to that quad cramp. But And then in the women's, what did we get? What, what, one sec, Chelsea. What happened to the people like Mario Mola, Dorian Connix, Yella Gaines? Did they just have not have a good day? I mean, yeah, it happens in every race. Only one winner, Talbot. Yeah, so um, Leo Bajer was back in sixth. Matt Hauser was in like 11th. Uh, the rest of those guys, yeah, way down. Yeah. And also third on the podium, third place was Macias, Brazilian, who we've talked about recently. Younger guy who's having more and more podiums. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, Leo Bajer, who I think is in the running for the series championship, didn't have his best day. Hayden Wild wasn't there. I think he's a bit cooked from Super League and probably focusing on the last few ones. So the series is still shaking up. We have two more until that rounds up in Abu Dhabi. Any more men's things you want to talk about? No. No. Women's race. Women's race. Um, 
Georgia Taylor Brown keeps on dominating. She's looking kind of hard to beat at the moment. The podium was her, Emma Lombardi, very young French athlete who kind of came onto everyone's radar in Yokohama when she was fourth, very fast runner and talented swimmer. Third was Pat's girl, Taylor Nib, who has appeared back in world triathlon, much to everyone's delight, certainly makes every race very exciting. She, so the swim, they mentioned it was a ocean swim. One side was particularly advantageous. Taylor Nib was not on the advantageous side. So was a bit back out of the water um, and spent a few laps time trialing a few people who could just put their heads down and hang on her wheel up to a group, got to the front of the front group and basically put on a show for all them, split up that front group, lost about half the group and still ran on the podium. It was very impressive. Coming off of a pretty big injury, I think I heard she didn't run for about 11 weeks. I also heard she put in bike weeks of 20 to 24 hours. So, Nib is back. Pat, be like, (laughs) I can neither confirm nor deny said allegations. All I know is that, yeah, in one of those monster bike weeks, I got absolutely uh, punished up left-hand canyon. So, um you, did you say that Taylor put in a 20-hour bike week? No, it was more than that. She put yeah, multiple. Yeah, bike multiple. week averaging between 20 and 24 hours of total riding. She heard, that, she was never she done heard that those 12-speed SRAM chains were really hard to wear out, and she's like, I got something to say about that. So that's I, I personally been, don't – stretching chains. I personally don't remember the last time I worked a 24-hour week, so I that's pretty cool. Speed, I think the SRAM chains are really hard to run in, aren't they, rather than wear out. It's, <laughs> it takes a while to get those bad boys going. Cool. Give us another short course, Chelsea. We had the race in South Korea this weekend. Tong Young was this weekend, a World Cup. So glad we're focusing on these. I think we're only focusing on this because Matt McElroy won, which is all Kyle knows about this race. Um okay now moving on what's next (laughs) no 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 there's more than that no it's a yeah good race pretty classic one on the circuit i've been there a few times matt mack did win he has won there before i wouldn't say it was the most loaded field. field yeah not at all uh on the women's side the french are really displaying how good their program is and how deep their program is i think they went one, three, four on the women's side, which is really good. They also, if you kind of look one step down, so there's three levels of world triathlon for anyone who doesn't know the world series, such as Cagliari, the world cups, and then continental cups. And I was just looking through a few continental cup results from this weekend too. And I think there was one in Alanya and you've got these French guys born in 2001, 2002, 2004, who are just rolling top fives in those Cati cups too. So it's a program that is just, they have Leo Berger, Vincent Louis, people nailing it on that stage, but down to their juniors and U23s, they're just really doing well with development. So pretty cool as they are looking towards Paris. Not only that, but they also have, I mean, athletes on the world stage in long course with Sam Laidlow, Leon Chevalier that are all top 10 athletes in Kona this year. And the women's side, they've got several good females as well. 
Yeah, and it is interesting. I mean, they have the French Grand Prix, French Grand Prix series, which is a great development opportunity for 15-year-olds, 18-year-olds um, who just are getting really good race experience. I think Sam Laidlow, I don't know much about his history, but I think at some point he probably raced French Grand Prix. And, yeah, he was in that system for probably a little bit of time before he moved over to long course. But when you look at having that base to establish for anyone, it, it's creating your Olympians, but also your Kona champions. So it's um, something that other federations can probably look toward as a model for what genuinely works really well. Yeah, And though that system does also exist. There's a big, uh, very parallel system in Germany with the Bundesliga races. So there's on a given weekend in the summer in Germany, there are a hundred athletes racing a short course style race 98 of them you've never seen or heard of but it is a uh it's a it's a massive factory for developing talent and, and that's like, you know patrick langer started out there like everyone's yeah. raced those those developments and they're also a great paycheck aren't they those french grand prix those german races especially pre getting your big sponsorship pre making it onto the scene they're how yeah. all the kids can make their money in europe in triathlon uh, don't forget Clement Mignon was also in the top 10. I think if anyone would have asked us, would there be three French athletes in the male top 10 in Kona? Well. Yeah. Everyone would have been like three French athletes. What? So we've got some, uh, we've got a chunk of races to get through, don't we? Um, uh, like quick ones. We can breeze through them quick. Yeah. So I'll just go real quick on, uh, Challenge Portugal, the reason, uh, sorry, the Challenge Mallorca, the reason this is interesting is because it's the, it's people trying to get the overall prize in the Challenge family one, like the 30 grand prize, whatever it is. In the men's side, less controversial, Jonathan YF won, uh, Andrea Pisagella um, came second, but interestingly, Tom Bishop, who's moved over from like supporting the Brownies, supporting Yee in the short course stuff, he's now gone to this long course racing. Uh, so he ended, he came in third. Uh, in the women's side, more impressively or slightly more interesting for the podcast because they tend to be the long distance fans. Uh, Imogen Simmons took the win. Great to see her back uh, at the top after a dominating bike and a solid run. Um, she took the win there. Uh, in second place, uh, Anne Reichman actually outran Fenella Language to take second. And Fenella Language was there. You might be wondering why two weeks after Kona because uh, she's leading that challenge series. So really impressive from her to sort of Turn around and come back to race. That is challenge your car. All right, Kyle. We don't want to see forty-five minutes on Waco. Just like, just tell us who won, and it's going to be okay. Tell us who won, Kyle. Three three key takeaways, real quick. Take a deep breath. I know you're excited about this. All right, best mate. Come on. All right, seventy point three Waco. Three key things. Number one, I love Joe Gambles, and I love uh, Matt Lieto to death. But it's Waco, not Waco. (laughs) Number two. (laughs) <laughs> it was great to watch on outside TV because you got to watch the outside TV commercials more often than the Iron Man commercials, which are actually a little bit better produced and kind of nor- more normal commercials. And number three, Trevor Foley wins his first 70.3 ahead of Justin Metzler and Andy Potts. And then on the women's side, Yuri Ayueda. A.I. Ueda. She won? It, Chelsea. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. your girl. Close. Wow. No kidding. Yeah, second place, Sarah Bishop, and then third place, um, a French athlete, actually, Julie Alimo. So, fantastic racing down there. Um, 
it was brutal conditions, a lot of rain, a lot of wetness Trevor on the overcame a four-minute swim deficit in a 70.3 to then go on to win by three minutes 17. It says a lot about the field, sure. But that boy can bike run. A 111 on that course is solid running. It'll be interesting to see him stack up here in two weeks' time at 70.3 Worlds. It, I'm not even going to say stack up because that swim is going to be so accelerated with, um, I mean... You he, name he, it, they're all going to be there. Aaron he Royal. He needs some good Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a solid two weeks of training for him coming off this win, but I think he'll be on a high given him and his girlfriend lost their dog this week, and so he's kind of racing for racing for his dog. So Racing cool. for his dog. Well, I mean, it's, sad. My... It's, sad. it's sad he lost his dog, of course, but we're not the X Factor. It cut... Anyway. The athlete <laughs> who I thought made the best Morton move during that race was Andy Potts. Why do you say that? God, the guy's like 65 years old and he's still freaking getting on the podium. That's freaking dope. <laughs> Who's, fine, who is your fine. Morton move? Who is your Morton move, Mark? In that, I don't care what happened in Waco, <laughs> Waco. I, 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 I can pretend if you want. I think, I just, I I think just, the thing uh, is... One. I think the thing is, is they were getting it confused with the taco place in Waco, which is actually Waco Taco, which is actually really good. But <laughs> well, I right, think let's get the hot We got hot takes. Yeah. Honestly, I thought it was bedtime. No, a few hot okay. takes. Right, hot takes. This is going to be a long episode. We're nearing an hour, so. Well, PTO Here's my first hot take. Go on, Chelsea. Chelsea is the only pro Chinese rep going to St. George. Yeah, so you need to pull your finger out, Chelsea. Hey, hey, Chelsea. Patrick. TBD on that. TBD on that. Okay. Okay. That's all I'm saying. So you're not abandoning your wife with a one-week-old baby to go to 70.3 Worlds, are you? (laughs) I'm not. I would never. I I might bring the little. I might bring the little baby. I don't. I'll do it with the baby. They're so easy at that age. Um. Fair. Okay. Um. Okay, well, that would be great because me, Talbot, and Mark were at Kona, and then you two can split up and be at 70.3 Worlds, and then we've covered all the world championships. So It must have been super hard and taxing for you to go to Kona, Kyle. That looks like a pretty hard work trip for you. It was hard. He was on a three-week training camp with Mikhail Eden, just working on his tan. McCall's like, we're going for a 90-minute run. And I was like, I haven't ran 90 minutes in like two years. And he's like, oh, it's okay. We'll, we'll, we're going to run up the hill up the... Up the T- tell us, tell us the story when Mikal was getting dressed up to go on a run, and you asked if you could join him after that. Okay, so on set on Sunday, we finished eating lunch. We went to the beach, blah blah blah. And Mikal was like, "Oh, I'm gonna go run before we go to the awards dinner." And I was like, "Oh, you want me to come with you?" And he said, "Kyle, I'm going for a run. I'm not going for a jog." <laughs> my other, my other favorite story, real quick before we get into hot takes. We were at breakfast because our plane got delayed. We were at breakfast with Lucy Charles and Reese. Lucy's uh, sister and my uh, Reese isn't Lucy's sister. Reese, the sister's someone else. Reese is the husband. Just right. for the Anyways, we're at breakfast and I order biscuits and gravy. And you would have thought that I ordered like alligator or something the way that Reese and Lucy looked at me. They're like, you're getting biscuits and gravy. They thought they were, he was getting cookies and brown gravy. And he was going to dip like cookies <laughs> into the brown gravy. Which wouldn't surprise me. They so have for, gravy in Hawaii. Yeah, it's a great Hawaiian staple. Hello. Was that that was from chicken? Set up wherever it's called. What's that? In the um, airport. No, no we was, we went to go eat at uh, 
Kona, Papa Kona. Anyway, sorry. Where Daylight Mine used to be. Guys, I'm really excited to go to Kona with you next year. Can't stay in the house. Right, we're doing the hot takes. We've, we, we, we've done yeah. an hour. So we've already yeah. done on wedding shoes. We can get rid of that one. Lucy Charles swimming points. Hilarious. Uh, she was ranked sixth in the world swimming for a while. Uh, she got pretty bang average points. Uh, and that actually took her down the world rankings uh, until Reese Barkley posted about it on his Twitter and his Instagram, called them out for the ridiculous swim points. And they changed her points from Kona. Now, I don't know, though, how you can change someone's swim points in Kona but then her overall race points don't change. If it's based on the speed you're able to possibly cover a course, that it's not about the race, it's not about where you finish in the race, it's about how you cover the course. How can you change someone's swim points and not her overall points? Baffling. But they did. Uh, she's still ranked like third in the world of swimming. Um, she's the only person that cares about that, or Reese cares about that system, but it's nonsense, right? Nonsense. What in the world? Anyway. How do you even see what those rankings are? The swim uh, and go all to the world sports. rankings and below the below like the, the select you can select overall swim by it run. What the heck? Yeah, uh, was that was that? So I didn't even put a hot take in. Was that the hot take? Is that anyone? Do you want to add anything to that? The yeah. other hot take would have to be the points that were awarded at Ironman World Championship. I don't know what the what was going on there. Go on. I just feel like I understand we're not allowed to comp- We're not allowed. <laughs> I'm like making making all these rules for how the point system is. We were told that you cannot compare the men's and the women's results. However, if you look at the way that the race unfolded, the men should have gotten significantly more points, in my opinion, than the females. Just from the... Um, Shattering of Jan's record? Course record? Yeah, I mean, you can't break a course record by over 10 minutes and not get absurd amount of points and when you look across at the the top 10 of the men and the top 10 of the women they are on remarkably similar points across each point so you would have to think that actually you can sort of compare them but go on pat i'm starting to lose my damn mind about these points <laughs> i used to not i used to not care and well, you don't think Anhau's number one in the world here's here's well here's ultimately where i'm going to get to i think that we can all agree the top 10 currently as of today are the top 10 in our sport, right? We're fine with Roughly, that. Yeah. What, is, what is very perplexing to me is that if you're ranked 11th through 200th, it's very confusing how you would create a pathway to move up in the rankings based on the races that you're allowed to do. So if a person ranked in 190th, their goal is to slowly move up over the next two years to get into the top 40 to do a PTO open race. There's not a system or level of races that they can chase that they know will be rewarded properly for those efforts. My example that I'm going to use to tie this down with is in pro cycling, there's four levels of races, point two, point one, point pro and world tour. It's very clear that if you're a small underdog team, you will chase the lower tier races to try and get points at the, at the races that you're at. So for instance, Trevor Foley this weekend, he's got no idea. He won this race. He has no idea what it's worth right now. He has to just sit and refresh PTO.org or whatever the website mm-hmm. is for three days. And I just, I think that it's, it, this is a, it needs a complete 
redo. So the, there, the point there can't system, be any ambiguity to it. There so can't the point be system any... that bring an impact is is much similar to that, or the ones that the athlete board or the points board they created once bring in has four or five tiers of racing, A, B, C, D, whatever, and they have set points against those tiers of racing. Unfortunately, like the PTO races are all like top tier with with just the seventy point three and Kona, they're the only top tier races. Yep. But they are then factored basically based on the strength of the field slightly. So they still made it more complicated. So then it's like factored based on the strength of the field that turns up. Is, I'm okay with is, that. Just post what the criteria is so that we're all in agreement of right. what is being cool. get used to gauge points. Again, Not this gonna, secret algorithm. Again, I'm going to use the UCI as an example here, and it pains me to say that. We don't know what the points are until the schedule is released in November. When that schedule gets released in November, the teams will then go and say, okay, our strategy for this year is to chase the smaller races, to earn points at those, to move up in the rankings. If the PTO said, these are your 50 races that you can go to this year to get points, we recognize this level is the top tier. This level is tier two. This level is tier three. Hmm. Have fun playing triathlon this year. If you want to get into the top 40, here's the points table on how to do so. Agreed. It's, it's, it's that simple. There doesn't need to be any more complicated than that. I agree. They, they, they love the fact that there's this mystery to it, and it's, com- it's completely bogus. Do they love the fact or do a few people love the fact? I think they enjoy the it as well because they can manipulate it, of course. Yeah. I mean, Anne Howe's won one race this year. I mean, almost everyone behind her in the rankings has beat her. But because of that Roth score, 131 with her 10% there, and 110 for third at Kona when she was 10 minutes back, it's crazy. I will argue about one thing, Pat. You said that we would all agree that the top 10 athletes are the top 10 athletes, but Joe Skipper's not in that top 10, and to me, he's a top 10 caliber athlete. He's a top 10 caliber athlete, but what's he won this year? He's not beat anyone above him at a big race. Like, I agree, he's super talented. His his, his races are amazing, but... You like... you have to race to get it, and you have to race yeah. to get points. Like, that's like saying Tiger Woods, well, whatever now, but it's like back in his prime, it's like he didn't compete and be like, well, he's one of the best golfers in the world. Well, he needs to play golf. Well, Florian uh, Ingert's ranked, ranked ninth in the world right now, and he hadn't won a race all year either. I mean, yeah, but he beat he, – he did St. George, and he got his 10%. He had a good race in St. George. His PTO US Open race was solid because he got his plus 5% for his PTO race. Joe Skipper chooses not to do those, so he doesn't get his 5%. And then his Ironman Mallorca was solid. Joe's uh, not done that plus five percent race. Like he needs to do that. He know he knows that exists. Last uh, hot take is uh, I think a lot of the pro athletes know that PTO is going to have races next year. Um, my only advice to be is a lot of these professional athletes are trying to sort out their next year. They sit down, they make a big broad plan. Everyone knows when Kona is going to be. Everyone knows when seventy point three Worlds is going to be. We hope that you guys release this schedule soon, all because uh, athletes can't wait until the spring to show up at all the PTO races. Pat? I'm going to defend PTO a little bit here. Again, this aligns with cycling. The schedule comes out at about this time for the following year. However, Mm -hmm. most teams have to apply to get into races, and they do not have that clarity around a guaranteed entry into them sometimes 
until a January, February, or March. So while I agree that's very important, um, I also want to say that, like in other industries, that does that this problem does occur. Yeah, fair enough. Well, hopefully we can see what the new race schedule is. Yeah, I think that's it, Chelsea. Oh, you have anything else? No, this is pretty great and long. This was a long one, a minute eight. <laughs> I'll close it out. Well, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, it's been one incredible ride. Can't believe the show has been going on for nearly two years. And this is our first Ironman world championship in Kona. So pretty crazy to think. Uh, we're super excited. We got one more race uh, on the championship circuit and long course uh, for the year, uh, which is two more races. What, what's your second race, Kyle? 70.3 worlds and what? Abu oh, I didn't know. He's I didn't know Abu Dhabi was a uh, long course race. Okay. Sorry. They might have, might have changed the distances. Uh, one more on the year, and then we dive right back into the short course season. So we are super excited with that. Uh, thanks for listening. Make sure you share this with your friends and family and start setting aside your annual budget for shoes because it's going to be a wild ride.